Welcome to the Confidence Lounge podcast, where we cover all things confidence in life and business. I'm your host, Elise Conroy, and I'm on a passionate mission to help thousands of women across the world feel more confident from the inside out, because not on my watch am I ever going to watch another woman do insecure life and business again. So if you're ready to become your most confident self, mama, or businesswoman, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. So grab your favorite beverage, get nice and comfy, and get ready to receive today's confidence injection. How we doing? How we doing? How we doing? Okay, I'm coming to you hot, even though it's a freezing rainy day here in LA, because I've got something I'm a little fired up about that I've got to talk to you today about. Like, I couldn't wait one more day to, re- to record this. I needed to just, like, get this out now. <laughs> and I was driving yesterday, and I started thinking about just these lies that we tell ourselves as women, and that we believe them, and we just spend our whole entire lives thinking that these things are true, and we don't realize that we have the power to change these beliefs. And the thing that got me so fired up about this, and today's episode is really going to be more of a rant, because I can't. Oh, it just rhymed. You see what I did there? (laughs) Because I can't. I really can't see any one of you out there just sit back and continue to live under the illusion of these lies. These lies that we didn't decide to believe. They were just offered to us. We just thought they were true. And now it's just in our standard operating system. So as I was driving yesterday, I found myself just like driving a little faster and driving a little faster as I started thinking about more and more lies that we tell ourselves. So I came up with six lies that we as women have bought into that we need to stop believing today. Because here's the deal with these specific lies. They all create one thing. Can you guess what that one thing is? It's insecurity. And it's like, oh, no wonder why we feel insecure, because these are the things that we're empowering every single day. So it is imperative that we stop empowering these things to be true. Because when we empower these things to be true, it is costing ourselves so much more than we realize. And truly at the core of it all, it's costing ourselves an amazing relationship with ourselves. And to have everything that we want in life, to feel truly confident and to have amazing relationships and success and money and all the time in the world and a fun life, it all starts with the relationship that we have with ourselves. So let me just rant this out really quick. This is like the first time I've done a rant on my podcast. I do this a lot on my Instagram stories because sometimes I just got to get this out. But what I'm going to do is I wrote down these six things and I'm going to go through the list and just tell you why we got to stop believing each of these things. Because yeah, I can't. I can't. Okay, the first one. And I hope I don't lose you after this one because this is, this is a big one. Is It's supposed to be easy. Do you believe that, right? We are sold this illusion that life is supposed to be easy, that hard things aren't supposed to happen to us, that it's supposed to just be sunshine and roses and we're supposed to be happy all the time. I see posts on Instagram like this all the time and it literally just like makes me want to barf. I'm like, stop, like stop selling this illusion that everything in life, whether it's your job, whether it's parenting, whether it is dealing with finances or having hard conversations, dealing with death, that these things are supposed to be easy. Because what really irks me when I see some of these posts on social media are you have people that are selling you this belief that their solution will make your life easier. And will some things make your life easier? Of course. 
But I see this a lot with business, with these online business coaches. They're like, oh, it's the simple solution. Buy my framework and everything will be so much easier for you. No, business is still going to be hard. You're still going to have to overcome challenges. And maybe you have had an easy life. Congratulations. You are a magical unicorn who escaped the fact that life is 50-50. And when I say that, I remember when someone introduced this concept to me for the first time, I was like, what do you mean life is 50-50? And truly, think about it. Life is not 100% of the way, any certain way, all the time. You're never going to just be one emotion all the time. And for so many of us, I know I lived under this you know, desire for the longest time that I just wanted to be happy all the time. And I would say to myself when I was having bad days in my corporate life, like, why can't I just be happy? That's not how life works. And I see this so intimately now to where, for example, the week that I launched my business, it was the highest week of my life at that point. And guess what happened? Three days later, I found out that my mom had cancer. It was like, whoa, okay, this is the spectrum of 50-50. We have these days that are incredible. And you might have a day where you have your best day of your life and the worst day of your life all within the same 24-hour span. And when we aren't under the awareness that life is 50-50, we're always going to be seeking solutions to make our life feel better, feel easier, and we're going to try to escape those hard moments. And what that ha- what happens is when we try to escape those hard moments, when those hard moments come, we crumble because we're saying to ourselves, this shouldn't be happening. I shouldn't be feeling this way. And we're shutting ourselves, which is creating so much shame and so much judgment. So we've got to start making space for the other part of the 50-50, allowing the 50% good and the 50% bad to coexist equally without making it a problem. That's how I choose to live my life now, right? I think about when I changed and really started making space for discomfort and for challenging things to happen and for hard moments to exist, that's when everything changed for me. There wasn't this desire to escape life because I knew that there were going to be hard moments. And I look at now everything that's on my plate, just you know, becoming a mom, being a wife, running a business and being a CEO, still being the caretaker for both of my parents who are fighting cancer. I've got a lot on my plate, but, and it's hard, right? I'm not going to sugarcoat the fact my life is really hard, but I'm still absolutely head over heels in love with my life because I just know now the curveballs are going to come. There's going to be days where it's going to feel like absolute shit. There's going to be moments in my life that I dread. Like when I was, you know, eight months pregnant and I had to take my mom to get her surgery to remove her latest resurgence of cancer. It was awful. It was, there was no sugarcoating that, but I still remember we had a blast because I'm not going to let the hard moments always feel terrible, right? I'm in full control over that. So there is this idea in life that there is this magical pill that is going to create ease and happiness and joy and sunshine and rainbows and bleh, right? But that's not the way that it works. And the where I see so many people feeling terrible about their life is because they don't know how to manage the discomfort that comes with hard things. It's going to happen, right? So the more that you can prepare yourself, and this is what I teach all of the women that I work with, this is why I've invested so much in coaching for myself, is because I don't want to crumble and spin out and lose myself within the hard moments, because that's what I used to do. And that was a very painful way of living for many, many years, right? So when I see women who are in a pattern of quitting, it's because they have a low tolerance for discomfort. So I think about when I went on my weight loss journey, I had been in a pattern of yo-yo dieting, doing whatever the latest boot camp fad 
fad was or whatever diet fad, whether it was like paleo or whatever. I don't know if I ever actually did paleo, but that was the first one that came to mind. But I had always been in this yo-yo diet mode. And the second it got hard, I quit. And then I would end up gaining more weight back. And how I truly got to the point of losing 55 pounds, it was learning how to move past the discomfort and overcome my quit triggers. So that way, when the hard moments came, I kept going. I was able to push through it. And I think that for all of us, there's kind of three steps that we go through when we're going through these hard moments. And first, it's like, okay, hold on, this just happened. Okay, what's what's going on, right? It's like we have that initial shock of like, oh my God, a curveball just hit me in the face. And then all of a sudden, we shift into this place of like, okay, we've got to go through it. Now, all of a sudden, we're getting through it. And that's when you're kind of like climbing the mountain and you're about to crest the top of it. And then the third part of it is where we're going to the other side. And that's where we got through it. And I think you are going to meet yourself in such a beautiful way when you embrace these hard moments and learn how to overcome those quit triggers, right? How to get to the top of the mountain summit and then start to descend on the other side. It's going to be such a beautiful thing because you really learn who you are in those moments of overcoming hard things. That's where the true confidence is built. That's where your character is going to be a place like into a place where you feel so much more secure about yourself. I think where I see our biggest opportunities to feel the most confident and truly feel the best about ourselves, it comes in that space of overcoming those hard moments. And I recently read something. I'm actually looking for this on my phone right now. Like I told you, this is a rant. I don't have like a script for this podcast whatsoever by James Clear. If you guys have never heard of James Clear, he wrote the book Atomic Habits. That is a game-changing book. If you want to truly invest in changing your habits and get into a different pattern of doing in your life and make some big changes, that's a great resource to support you. So What he wrote on his Instagram post was, and this is pertaining to workouts, right? So the bad workouts are often the most important ones. It's easy to train when you feel good, but it's crucial to show up when you don't feel like it, even if you do less than you hope. Going to the gym for 15 minutes might not improve your performance, but it reaffirms your identity. So I want you to try on an identity of I am somebody who can do hard things with confidence, even when I don't want to right? Because that's where you are going to take navigating discomfort and it is going to become a skill. And this is once again what I teach. I think that this is the most underutilized success currency that we have available to us is to plan for the hard moments and learn how to become the master of navigating uncomfortable things and navigating hard things. Because when you learn how to do that, ooh, girl, it's over. Okay. The second lie I want you to stop believing is you need to lose weight in order to truly love yourself or to feel comfortable in your own skin. So I went through, as I just mentioned, a weight loss, right? And I had to learn how to love myself at over 200 pounds before I could start shedding weight. Because guess what? I've gone through a lot of phases in my life where I've lost the weight and I still hated who I was. I still looked in the mirror and said awful things to myself. I still saw my cellulite as disgusting, right? So I had to learn how to love the cellulite. I had to learn how to love the stretch marks, the wrinkles, exactly as I was before I embarked upon my weight loss journey. And I truly believe that once I got my head right, that my body was going to follow. And that's exactly what happened. And what I realized when I was going through my journey was I was still trying to live up to everyone else's standards of me versus the standards that I had for myself. Because guess what? I never actually set standards for myself. I was just under the spell of the way that everybody else thought I should be. So I, growing up, had seen, you know, 
replications of what beauty was. And it was always like blonde women who were very skinny. So I really believed that that's who I needed to be. And it's so ironic because I look at my best friend. She's blonde. She's beautiful. And I always looked at her and I'm like, God, she's really, she's just perfect. Because that was, in my mind, the true standard for perfection. But I remember her telling me one day, she's like, I wish I had your body. And I was like, what? Because I have, you know, hourglass Kim K thing going on. And I was like, how could you say that? I don't understand. I was like, you, you're, you must be lying to me. And she's like, no, I've always wanted an hourglass body. And it was such a moment of like, oh my God, we always want what we can't have. And I remember that being just this sobering moment of having to come into a place of actually letting go of what I thought I should be and accepting what I am. And looking in the mirror and not trying to take away my hips or my booty and learning how to love that as a part of myself and not seeing that as a flaw. Because before I was at the gym trying to kill myself to lose that extra pound, right? So I got really realistic about my body shape and just worked towards a more toned, healthier version of myself. So instead of thinking in my mind, I needed to be this blonde woman with big boobs and no hips and no butt, which, you know, in in high school, that's like what I really thought I needed to be. I remember when I was thinking of what I wanted my body to look like, I pulled up a picture of Kim Kardashian where she had like a flat stomach, you know, a nice toned like lower body. And that was my avatar because that was what was realistic. I was never going to be the woman who was small boned. That's just not how I am, right? The lowest I've ever weighed was like 145 pounds and I looked like Skeletor. I did not look healthy. So I just wanted to look like a healthier version of myself. So by letting go of all of the other avatars that I thought I should be, That helped me to accept myself exactly as I was and not continue to kill myself to be what other people told me I should be, right? So if you're in that place where you really believe that you need to lose weight, I want you to ask yourself, whose standards are you still trying to live up to? And who was it that said that you needed to look this way? Was it your mom or your dad or whatever parental figure that you had growing up? Are you looking at Instagram and killing yourself just looking at all these fitness bloggers or these fitness lifestyle influencers who are saying, oh yeah, if I can do it, you can do it too, right? Who is it that told you that you need to starve yourself or cut out all the foods that you enjoy or that you need to weigh a certain amount in order to be loved or to be seen as pretty or that you need to absolutely kill yourself at the gym to lose the last pound because that's when you're really committed, right? Ew, that like bro mindset makes me want to barf. So I want you to challenge what it is that has you working so hard to be perfect, that is working so hard, killing yourself, not feeling good enough in your own skin, right? Like challenge every standard, every constructed thing that is in your mind of telling you that you're less than based on how you look now, right? Blow that shit up because the second that you do, you're going to fall in absolute love with yourself. Like I no longer war against the woman that I see in the mirror because she works so hard to keep me alive. This body is beautiful no matter what stage it's at. You know, I'm working right now to start, I've lost a lot of my baby weight right after I had Micah, but I'm working to start getting back to that strong version of myself. And I don't have a number in mind on the scale that I want to be at because that's just an illusion, right? I weighed more because I had more muscle. So I don't care about the number on the scale. I care about how I feel. I care about the strength that's in my muscles. And I'm working so hard to hike up mountains, just like I did when I lost the 55 pounds the first time, to rebuild that strength in my body. And I'm my biggest cheerleader as I'm going up that mountain. You can take one more step, Elise. You've got this, right? Versus being like, oh, you should be farther along. 
long? Why aren't you going faster? Oh God, they're going to pass you. How did you let your body get like this? I just grew a fucking human, right? Like I am so proud of the way that my body looks already and it's just going to keep getting better. Like what a beautiful way to look at your body. You can share the same mindset as I do. Okay, the third lie I want you to stop believing, and this is a big one for so many of you, especially, I used to believe this lie too, especially for those of us who are success-driven, who are hungry, who struggle with perfectionism, and this lie is failure is not an option. Bye. I want you to blow this one up too, because most of us live in this place where we perceive failure as something that is impossible for us, right? We see this as something, and I know I used to be this way too, that is as equally as painful to death. And here's why we get this to get to, get to this point, right? Our brains are wired for survival. So what happens is for so many of us, when we think that we're going to fail, we think that we're not going to survive because we're not going to have money for food. We're not going to be able to pay our bills or afford our home. So for our brain, We go to this mindset of failure is not an option because it feels like if we fail, we're going to die. The people in our lives are going to judge us and we are, you know, designed as humans to be pack animals. So if we are, if we're failing and people are judging us, then we're definitely going to be left alone. We're going to be voted off the island. Nobody's going to like and accept us. They're all going to think terrible things about us. So our brains are going to avoid failure at all costs because we don't want to die and we don't want to be alone. So when we get into the illusion that failure is not an option, I want you to know that this is 100% just a limiting belief because the reality of failure is the more you fail, the more successful you're going to be because you are going to learn so much about yourself. You're going to learn about what you really want. You're going to learn about, you know, what true success actually is in the spaces of failure. Just like when I started this conversation talking about hard things. Is failing easy? Absolutely not. But who you're going to become in the process is going to be your strongest, most confident, most empowered, most wise self. So I teach women in the CAN program how to fail with confidence. So if that's something you want to learn, Hire Is Me is is your coach, and we're going to teach you exactly how to do that. Inside the CAN program, I actually teach a formula called the SPF Growth Formula. I did an entire podcast on this. Go back and listen to it. I believe it was the second podcast episode that I launched because to me, this is one of the most pivotal things that we can dig into as women, right? Is how we define success, how we define perfectionism, and how we define failure, and who we are in each of those spaces. Because the reality of all three of those things is it means something different to every single one of us. But yet, so many of us want to be successful, but we don't know what that means or what it looks like. We're trying to be perfect, but we have a moving target that is perfectionism that we're never actually getting to a point of feeling perfect because it's a moving target, right? And then we are so adverse to, or risk adverse, that we don't want to fail and we're terrified of failure because God, what's going to happen if we do fail? We're not going to survive it, right? So if this is an area where you really want to learn how to fail with confidence and use this as a skill building opportunity, because failing with confidence is a skill, right? It is something we are not taught how to do because we're taught failure is not an option, right? So if this is something you want to dig into, let's talk because this is truly a concept that will change your life once you learn how to embrace things like failure and rejection and shame and judgment, right? Like, but so many of us are terrified of this. So let's disempower that fear because it is costing you so much living under the illusion that failure is not an option. I'm, I'm 99% sure that's what's keeping you overworking. That's what's keeping you in a place where you're like, oh God, I can't deal with this, right? We don't want that. We do not want that. So let's disempower this belief today. Number four of lies that you need to stop believing is I'm not good enough. So who said you weren't good enough? 
who who gave you that that uh, belief about yourself? Because I'm pretty sure it wasn't you. I'm pretty sure you didn't just decide one day to wake up and just decide, oh, today I'm going to decide to believe that I'm not good enough, right? So I want you to really question where did this belief come from? Because for so many of us as women, there is a root belief somewhere within us that we're not good enough, that what we're doing is not good enough, the work we do isn't good enough, that our parenting isn't good enough. This wears so many different outfits, this belief, right? So I want you to dig all the way down because I have a hunch it's probably something that someone offered you at one point. Maybe it was an old boss. Maybe it was your parent. Maybe it was an ex-boyfriend. Maybe it was a friend who you had a falling out with who said something nasty to you. Maybe it was a family member. So I want you to get to the core of this. Look all the way in. Be brave enough to see it and look at where did this belief come from? I know for me, when I first started believing that I wasn't good enough, it was because bullies in kindergarten started offering me this thought about myself. Nobody's going to like you. You're weird, right? So all of these compiled and led to this big belief that took me over of I'm not good enough. So guess what? That's why I was staying late at work and working 110 hour weeks to prove, please see me as good enough. Look, look, I'm doing all the things. Please, please, please see me as good enough. But inside, there was just still a hurt little girl who needed my love, who needed my focus, who needed my attention and I needed to go back and soothe her and tell her, you know what? Those bullies were wrong about you. You don't have to keep working 110 hour weeks because you have nothing left to prove. So I want you to go all the way down and see that. And I want you to imagine telling your five-year-old self right now, if you could picture her sitting in front of you, I want you, if you're somebody who believes at the core, you're not good enough, tell that to your five-year-old self and see how it feels because I'm pretty sure that would feel awful. So why do you want to continue to empower a belief about yourself that feels awful, right? Why do you want to continue to believe these lies that people have offered you? Because you're in full control over this. You're in full control over what you choose to believe to be true about yourself. And we're taught as women that it's never enough, right? I did a whole nother podcast episode on that called the not enoughness monster. So dive into that. If this is something where you start an area where you struggle, Because truly, my love, seeing yourself as good enough is a decision. And you can make that decision to see yourself as good enough today. All of that can change today. Number five, this is a big one for so many of us too, is I can't feel secure if I don't have money. Woo! Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let me tell you, I, and this is, this is a shock to me because I am a very financially driven person. I love money. I love making money. I love spending money. I love geeking out on ways to create money. I have a very beautiful relationship with money. And what's wild to me is one of my biggest fears after I left my job at Estee Lauder in 2018 was where is my next dollar going to come from? And I started just thinking about it and I was like, who cares? Because I got to live my life and I was so burned out after working for 15 years, so many hours, killing myself, you know, being a perfectionist, being a people pleaser, overworking to the core, just still once again trying to prove myself. And when I stepped away from it all, I just wanted to live my life. And it was so crazy because 2019 was one of the best years of my life and I made $290 that year. It's so surreal that I had $0 coming in and I was the most happy and secure version of myself that I've ever been in my life up to that point. Right now, it's just I've 10x that because of all the work that I've done on myself. But at that point, I had no idea that I could ever not have money and feel secure and feel confident and still love myself and not feel like anything is going wrong. 
So here's the deal with money, is that money is a neutral circumstance until you assign it meaning. So it's just a number that is in our bank account. It is a number that comes to you every time you get paid. So where things start to get a little bit troublesome and where our money insecurities come is when we attach meaning to the money. So debt is bad. Rich people are greedy. I need money to feel secure. I have to have money in order to feel successful, right? So this all comes down to our thoughts and our relationship with money. This is why there's so many financial coaches out there, right? This is why money is a big fundamental of what I teach inside the CAN program. I actually do an audit to look at every single dollar that you have coming in, every single dollar that you have coming out. So whether you're working in corporate or you have your own business, you're going to know exactly where your money lives. And then we look at your thoughts about money. So I actually do a one week long workshop. This is paired with time because our relationship with time and money is very similar. We usually either believe we have enough of it and we feel secure or we believe there's never going to be enough for us and we feel insecure, right? So if you're in a place right now where you have financial insecurity, that's a huge area where we focus because we've got to look at the relationship, the thoughts that are coming into your mind about money, the beliefs that you have about money, the conversations that you have about money. Because a big area where I see women feel insecure with money is when they talk about it with their friends. They're like, ooh, this is this taboo subject that we don't talk about. I talk about money with everybody, right? I'm like, how much money do you make? And people are like, I can't believe you asked me that. And I'm like, why is this still a taboo topic? Because this is why we get into situations when we go into negotiations where we feel insecure because we don't know what people are actually making in these roles, right? Why is there not more transparency here? Why do I not know what you're making in your role as a VP, as your role as an entrepreneur? Why is this such a scary thing to talk about, right? Where we have secret, there is shame that breeds. So we want to air this out. We want to actually feel empowered to have conversations at dinner with our friends and be like, how is finance going for you, right? Why is this so scary for so many of us? So my self-image, the way that I think about myself in terms of money is I'm not somebody who worries about money because the reality is I can create money on demand, right? I'm so confident in my ability to create money And I have a lot of success to prove that, right? And I have an inherent belief that I'm always taken care of because I look at that year when I made, you know, $290, when I was on my gap year, when I was just out there living my best life, going to retreats in Sri Lanka, going to retreats in Washington, just really finding myself and allowing myself to have the space to truly live for the first time in my adult life. And guess what? I was always taken care of. I had stocks that I had earned when I worked for Estee Lauder that I sold to allow me to have time and space to create my business with luxurious amounts of time and leisure and ease and peace, right? And there is this beautiful thing that happens when we have this inherent belief that we're always taken care of because the money just shows up as we need it. And it's crazy. Like little things would happen. I remember there was one point where I kind of like had some money stress come in and all of a sudden I go to the mailbox and there was a check for like $500 because I had overpaid this bill and I got a refund. And I was like, see, I'm always taken care of. So I choose to do the work to disempower any money fears that I have in real time, any scarcity that comes in. And if you if you're new to the term scarcity, that's just the belief that there's not enough, right? So I disempower all of these scarcity beliefs, any sort of money fears or insecurities that I have, I tackle that in real time because I still have a human brain. I'm a business owner. I still at this point, even being four years into business, have no idea where my next dollar is coming from. And that's okay. That doesn't spin me out. That's just the reality of being a business owner, right? So I don't need money 
to make me feel secure because I trust myself to create the money that I need to live the life that I want. So I want to challenge you. If you're in a place where you feel like I need X amount of dollars in my bank account to feel secure, why? Just like we looked at when it came to thinking that you're not good enough, where did you get this belief from? right? I know growing up, I was always educated by my dad. He's always like, you need to make over $100,000, then you're going to be rich, right? And it's so funny to think now that that used to be something that was considered as rich, right? In today's society. I know living in LA, you're not rich if you're making $100,000 a year, which is very sad because for so many of us, that is a lot of money, but that's not rich by definitely living in LA's terms anymore because it is a very expensive place to live, right? So where did your money beliefs come from? Was this something that you learned growing up? Was it society that taught you this? Was it you're living the illusion of the American dream that you need to have the house and the white picket fence and this car and blah, blah, blah. Like, are you stuck keeping up with the Joneses, right? Where did these money beliefs come from? Because all all these are, are opportunities to reprogram the way that you think about money and to re-engineer your relationship with money. I would love to see you in a space where you truly feel that you don't need money to feel secure because you don't, right? Once again, money is just a neutral circumstance until you assign it meaning. Okay, number six in terms of lies I want you to stop believing is I don't have time. Okay, my friends, if you tell me this, I know it's one of two things. Either A, you have a prioritization opportunity that is presenting itself, or B, you don't really want to do it. So when we tell people, oh, I don't have time, right? There's so many of us that wear busyness as a badge of honor. So I think that this is a huge, huge illusion because when we're busy, it's resulting in inefficiency, stress, anxiety, overwhelm, and it leads us to burnout. So if you are that person who is like, oh no, but Elise, you don't understand. I really don't have time. I have all these things going on with work and then I have my family to take care of and then I've got my family over here that needs me and I've got to go to this event and da 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 Okay, I get it. Like, I get it. We do have a lot of stuff that's going on, but you are 100% capable of creating the time that you need to do the things that you want to do. We just have to get strategic about it. And once again, just in the same way that I audit your money when we're working together in the CAN program, I also do the same thing with your time. And we get really intentional. I actually look at how every minute of your day is spent. And then we see how much time you need to create. Because guess what? For those of you that think, oh, I can't find the time. You're never going to find the time if you believe that you're always trying to find the time. Time just doesn't come out of nowhere, right? You have to get intentional about creating the time you need to do the things that you want to do. So I actually present back a plan. It's called my time optimization system to where it shows you, okay, if you want to spend an hour a week on self-care, here's what you need to do to do that. If you want to spend this amount of time going to the gym and working out or taking a class or whatever it is that you want to do for a hobby, because I have so many people tell me they don't have time for a hobby and that's just total bullshit, right? You have to have some sort of fun outlet in your life and do something that refills your cup or something that you feel is a reward or something that you really enjoy that brings you joy. So we've got to start creating a time to prioritize this. Because if not, we're, we're in this place of like just working, 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 doing chores, and life starts to feel terrible. Rest and self-care are two of the most valuable gifts and hobbies can go into self-care, right, that you can ever give yourself. So my goal for you is to enjoy luxurious amounts of rest, self-care, all of that guilt-free. And guess what? You can 100% create the time to do that. I work with women who are so busy, and we, there has never been a time where I have been unable to find the time and create the time for them, Right. So I really want to challenge you. If you are in this place of feeling like you never have enough time, 
I want you to figure out how much time you actually need and what that ideal day looks like for you. Because so many times we skip this step and we never actually figure out the time that we need to do the things that we want. And this way of operating just keeps us in this habitual way of thinking these disempowered thoughts like, I'm behind, I can never get ahead, there's never going to be enough time for me, um, I'm, I'm struggling to make things happen, right? Like, I can't do this because I don't have enough time. So, I want you to start thinking about if you were living in this perfect scenario where you had a plethora of time, luxurious amounts of time, how much more time do you actually need? And then you can do the assessment that I do with my clients. Go audit your time. See where every every minute of your 24-hour day goes. Because I see a lot of women spending like six to eight hours a day on social media without even realizing it. And then they tell me they don't have time. And so we're just sleepwalking through life, spending time without realizing where it's going. So you're in full control over what you say time to or what you say yes to, right? And what you say yes to is what's dictating your time, right? So if you are working a job and let's say your job requires you to work 40 hours a week, are you saying yes to working late? That's a choice, right? You can say no to that. People are like, wait, what? I can? Yeah, you can have boundaries. If you have, you know, we have 48 hours in a weekend. If you're working nine to five Monday through Friday. So if you're in that place where you're like, oh, but I'm so busy on the weekends. What are you saying yes to? Are you saying yes to this family event? And then you've got to go to this birthday party for this kid. And then you've got this work event over here, right? Like you can say no to those things too. So if you're just learning how to start saying no, What I want you to do is make space for discomfort because it's hard to say no to people when they're used to hearing yes from you. So maybe your boss is like, wait, what? You're leaving at five o'clock? Or maybe you need more time to work on your business and your partner's like, but wait, hold on. I need you to do this and this. And it's like, no, actually, I can't do that right now because I've got to make this a priority. So this is going to require commitment to yourself over other people's discomfort over your discomfort. It's got to be one of those things where you want to create that time so bad because you're so over not having the time that when that discomfort comes, just like when we talked about doing hard things a minute ago, you stay committed to your decision even when that discomfort goes to a level 10. And someone's looking at you in the face being like, what? Hold on. How are you going to tell me no? You always tell me yes. Hold on. You're letting me down. I'm so disappointed in you. Oh, well, right? Your time is more important than that. So when you're saying no, you're essentially retraining people on where your boundaries live. And they're going to have resistance to this. And that is okay. We've got to keep their thoughts and feelings about your empowered no's as a them thing. Don't take it on and make their problem your problem, right? This is always going to keep the pattern of people pleasing going or engaging in perfectionism going because you're going to feel you have to say yes. And when we have to do something, that creates a lot of stress and pressure. So we don't ever want to have to do anything, right? When you continue to say yes and take on more things or do things that you really want, that you're saying yes to, that you really want to say no to, that's going to breed a lot of resentment and defeat versus giving no's from a place of loving confidence. I give empowered no's all the time. And especially now that I'm a mom, it better be something that's a true priority if it's going to take me away from time with my son, right? If it's not, you're going to get an empowered no with love. And I think of Oprah, you know, and she's like, you get a car, you get a car, I, you get a no, you get a no. Everybody gets a no with love, right? Because my time is so valuable. Time is my most luxurious commodity at this point of my life, right? I'm taking care of my baby. I'm taking care of my parents. I'm taking care of my house and being a wife and being a friend. I've got a lot on my plate, but I don't ever want to go back to the excuse of I don't have time. 
because that is a very disempowered way of thinking. I create the exact time that I need to do all the things that I want to do in my life. And this is something that you can do too. Okay, my rant is complete. (laughs) I feel a little better now that I've talked about this. I hope that this has empowered you to see that you are in charge. So if your brain is telling you it's supposed to be easy, I need to lose weight, failure is not an option, I'm not good enough, I can't feel secure if I don't have money and I don't have time, you've got some growth opportunities presenting themselves to you. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with this. Growth is a good thing, right? And growth is uncomfortable. We're changing. We're leaving our comfort zone. That's okay. So make space for this to be hard, right? Nothing is going wrong because something is challenging. And if you're in a space where you want to learn how to overcome the challenge, how to navigate managing discomfort with confidence, how to create the time and money you need to live the life that you want, how to truly start believing that you're good enough, and how to fail with confidence, and how to stop believing that you need to lose weight to be beautiful or good enough or secure or whole, whatever it is then please hire me as your coach because we will overcome all of this in the CAN program. That's exactly what we do every single day is stop letting lies like this take you over and rule your life. So if this is the type of support that you need, I've 100% got your back on this. Just send me a message on Instagram at your soul makeup and we can talk about getting you started today because I don't want you spending one more minute of your life under the illusion of these lies. All right. Okay. So let's go do some, uh, some lie busting. Take this and run with it. Go become your most empowered self. Oh, hey, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If this helps you, I would love for you to share the gift of confidence with a friend because this is how we all grow. So share this with your girls, a coworker, a fellow mama, or your fam on social media because we all need support in our confidence journey. So sharing can help us heal, feel better, and take steps to grow now. Also, I'd love if you would drop your rating in. Ratings and reviews help me so much more than you realize. And if you found yourself listening today and thinking, I need professional support, I would love to invite you to join the CAN program where I will teach you how to take confident action now. If increased confidence is what you want, this is multiple months of dedicated you time where we will do the deep work on you to create your most confident self, both personally and professionally. Because once you know how to generate the feeling of confidence from the inside out, the possibilities become endless and your results become inevitable. This is the most valuable investment you will ever making yourself. And I cannot wait to see who you become on the other side of doing this work on you. So visit me at soulmakeup.com to learn more or come be my bestie on Instagram. You can find me at your soul makeup. See you next time.